If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? Uh, My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad podcast. Um, In this week's episode, I will be speaking with uh, Taylor Lindloff. Uh, She is a 25-year-old autistic young woman who approached me a week or so ago, um, at the time of recording anyways, um, because she wanted to help, help people better understand how, uh, autistic people can, can deal with grief differently, uh, than, than, than other people. And I have been wanting to, to touch on this subject for a long time. And I, and I, I guess I didn't know how to approach it. Uh, and because I'm not autistic myself, I, I, it's hard for me to sort of navigate that. Um, but Taylor approached me and asked if, if we could, we could do this. And, uh, I, I jumped on the opportunity to, to meet her and, and talk about this. And it's a very, um, it's a very sensitive topic that, that people don't often like to talk about, but I think it's really important. And, uh, Taylor is very open and honest and transparent about her experiences. Uh, she, she lost her father a couple weeks ago. And so she's currently going through this process of grief right now. And she wants to try and help, uh, other autistic people out there, um, you know, navigate grief and then help people like myself to better understand the process for them and what we can do to better love and support and, um, comfort and console, uh, our loved ones who may be on the spectrum. So, uh, Taylor will be on the show, uh, I'll play the interview for you uh, in a few minutes. Um, Right now, we're going to take a commercial break. Please stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this.
The Autism Dad is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a fantastic program out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's uh, that uses a wrist strap, heart rate monitor, and video games to help your child learn to emotionally self-regulate. That means fewer meltdowns. Um, it works for any kid because it's biofeedback uh, for kids. and it, So it works for anyone. Uh, but it's especially effective in kids who are on the autism spectrum. Uh, as you may or may not know, uh, kids on the autism spectrum can have a more difficult time uh, with emotional self-regulation. Uh, my kids are no exception to that. And, and what this does is it, is it finds an engaging way to, to teach them to recognize the feelings in their body, their emotions, and, and it rewards them with better gameplay by, by keeping those emotions in check and calming themselves down and keeping their heart rate in, in, a, in a certain place. It's, it's, it's brilliantly simple. Uh, it's proven science. They have proven that it reduces meltdowns up to 60%. That's good for the whole family. When your child is less stressed out and they're not experiencing distress, they're happier. You know, when they're in a better place, as parents, our stress level uh, is lower. And, and so it's a positive thing for the whole family. It's fun. It's engaging. Uh, my kids love it. And they offer a 30-day free trial. So there's no risk. You can give it a try. If you don't like it, you can just send it back. Uh, you can find out more information and read about my journey with my son uh, using this program uh, at theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. Uh, and we're back. And I mentioned in the intro that uh, Taylor Linloff uh, is on the show today. Um, she's a 25-year-old uh, autistic young woman who uh, approached me about wanting to help um, people like myself or anybody else really better understand how autistic people handle grief differently than uh, non-autistic people, I guess. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, uh, as I've talked about my, my grandparents and uh, trying to help my kids through that. So I'm, I'm very grateful that, that Taylor uh, approached me with this. And uh, Taylor, welcome to the show. Uh, thank, thank you for, for taking the time. Up. Thank you. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about, about yourself? Well, my name is Taylor Linloff. I am 25 years old, and I live in the small town of Philhawksbury in Cape Verde, Island, Nova Scotia, Canada. I was actually diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in June of 2018. I am what they call a late-life diagnosis, which means I wasn't diagnosed in childhood. I was diagnosed in my 20s. Uh, ever since being diagnosed, I've been doing autism advocacy around my province and across the country. Very, very cool. You've been busy too. Um, I, I don't stop. I'm very happy my aunt got me a planner for Christmas because I need it. You got, I'm sorry, got a what? I got a planner for Christmas. Oh. It's like one of those little notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> so you... Um, you have been on the uh, CBC's, which I just learned what that was. Uh, you can't ask that uh, docu series. Yeah, uh, at the time that we're recording this, the episode aired about half an hour beforehand. It's the tongue-in-cheek documentary series where we ask and answer very controversial questions about our disabilities. One of the questions I got was, "Aren't you just odd?" <laughs> <laughs> that's a question 
Yeah, no, we we get asked. A lot of people still think autistic people are just odd. Huh. I'm also odd, but that's not the point. I always thought kind of quirky. Like my kids are quirky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and, and I describe as weird. Yeah, I was going to say weird. weird. I, I tell my kids they're weird all the time. I'm like, you guys are so weird. Kids, kids like, are weird in general. Yeah. And weird is cool. Like, yeah. it's it's an, it's a term of endearment for us in, in my house. Like, they know yeah, that same. weird isn't like a derogatory thing. I'm like, no. oh my gosh, you guys are, are so weird. weird. People are weird. People do weird things. Yeah. So, um, what I, I guess, so the point was to try and answer really kind of uncomfortable, awkward controversial questions things that people want to know but they knew it's too offensive to say to our faces oh my god is, <laughs> is this a, these are all these were all questions sent in from across the country so it's sort of like in grade school um we had like a comment box where oh you could ask questions anonymously that you were too oh embarrassed no. to ask in front of the class <laughs> oh no it sort of reminds me of of, of that Oh my goodness. It's like the heads up seven up of questions. Yeah. So did you, uh, well, how did, how did you get involved in that? Um, shortly after I was diagnosed, I was, well, I still am in a group for autistic Canadian adults so that we can, can connect and kind of bridge that gap of social isolation that we often experience. Mm -hmm. And someone posted a link to a casting call and I said, yeah, I, I'm just going to try for this because I just want to get out of my comfort zone and say that I auditioned for something. And then two months later, I get the call. You're going to Montreal. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I did this. I, I auditioned because I have anxiety. I want to get out of my comfort zone. We're really getting out of our comfort zone today, everybody. So, And I ended up flying out to Montreal and did this series. <laughs> how, how, how was the experience for you? Did you find it like, because I know you said you. Great. Go it ahead. was great. It was great, um, the Pixcom studio that we recorded with on behalf of CBC, they definitely did their research for all of the disabilities that are featured in the show and they made it very inclusive. They didn't infantilize anybody and they treated us like respectable, mature and intelligent adults, intelligent adults that we are. Very cool. So, uh, it's on, well, it's on CBC, so I'm not sure how you would watch that here in the States. I'm look, I'll look that up. And if I can, uh, Find that place is EPN, but I'm not allowed to suggest that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll post information in the, in the show notes if if it is available outside of uh, Canada. Uh, you had wanted to talk about um, grief and loss specifically uh, because autistic people um, tend to deal with that differently, and. And I, I think it's a really important, we sort of talked before the show, I think it's really important, um, especially for people like myself, who are, are sort of on the outside looking in when it comes to our kids, um, how we can better support them, how we can better help them, and and just sort of gain some insight. And so, you know, I, I know this is um, a sensitive topic for a lot of people, and a lot of people don't, like, want to talk about this, but I... I think um, your message is very important. And so I guess what I will do is start off by asking you, um, I know that you you lost your father a couple weeks ago and I'm, yep. I'm very, very, very sorry for your loss. Uh, did you, did you want to talk about him? 
Yeah, um, just before I recorded with that CBC docuseries, my father, Conrad, what we thought was a pulled muscle at work was heavily metastasized stage four lung cancer. So on Halloween of 2018, he was actually in the provincial hospital getting a full biopsy on his lung. And unfortunately, he he lasts a long time, but unfortunately he passed away at home at 3 a.m. on January 12th, so just about a month, month ago. But he passed away according to his wishes. He wanted to be at home, and that's what he had always wanted. He didn't want to pass in the hospital. Because unfortunately, he had watched his mom and his sister. It's hereditary in our family. And he was able to pass it home with family in the house and everything, which is what he wanted. How are you? He was a fighter. How are you doing? I've kept myself busy, honestly. I found that. Um, just a couple of days after the funeral, I was back at work because I needed the sense of structure. I'm an autistic person, one of the autistic people who heavily rely on structure and routine for my mental health. So I was back to work and I've been keeping myself busy. Um, I'm actually in the process of applying to university because I always wanted them to know that I was going to be okay and things like that. Did you... Um... When my, uh, when my grandparents uh, passed away last year, one of the, I guess one of the struggles that we had at the time was, um, you know, how, how much do we expose our kids to like the funeral and the services because, you know, they're, well, they're, they're 11 and 13 now. And then my oldest is 20, but they, they process things so differently. And, you know, you want them to have closure. You want them to have an opportunity to say their goodbyes in, in whatever, but it's also such an emotionally charged situation that it's overstimulating and and I would think traumatizing for some kids. And I guess, how did that, how did that affect you? I guess. Well, my first death I actually experienced was my dad's sister when I was about nine or ten, and I actually did not end up going to a funeral by choice because I I didn't feel ready. I wasn't comfortable with the concept, and luckily my parents were very accepting of that. So I ended up actually staying at my aunt's house with my sister, my little sister, and my cousin while my family was at the funeral. And later on, I kind of felt bad about it and then came to terms with like, I was a child. I wasn't personally ready to experience that because it was the first death I ever experienced. And it was uh, so many things I didn't understand at the time. Um, When dad passed away, I chose to leave the room when the funeral directors came and took dad's remains. But before they did, I wished him quote unquote goodbye the same way I always did. Whenever I left the house, I never said goodbye. I always said, see you later. And that's what I told him. 
honestly, the funeral was hard as it would be for anyone, but luckily I was allowed to overmote. I was allowed to cry because I am somebody, which I mentioned like when we were chatting before, that I'm not ashamed to be an emotional person. I'm not. Softness is not a sign of weakness in my eyes. Never will be. But the wake, the wake was hard. I have difficulties recognizing faces. So while I'll know somebody by their name, like if someone mentions a name, I'll know the stories about them, things like that. But being in a receiving line when I'm overstimulated and tired and upset, that that's really hard, especially where people will be talking to me and I, you have to make a small talk that you recognize everyone. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's a lot of masking, unfortunately, which is hard for any autistic person because you have to pretend to seem neurotypical in that time because it's all about societal and social graces. Luckily, my mom was accepting of the fact that I would go back and forth between the uh, the hall and like the little kitchen they had so I could just kind of sit down, have some water or Gatorade and just decompress. So my mom was very helpful when it came to that. The reception was honestly the easiest, which was after the funeral, because um, it was just kind of sit down. It was a lot more casual. People would just come up and talk or just, you know, send a quick condolence and they'd go on with their coffee or tea and just kind of wish you a good day. I think it's important for parents to know that it's okay for your child to have limits and things like that. And, and it's not a slight at anybody who comes to a wake or the reception or funeral if they need to take a moment to step away because emotions get the best of anybody during these very charged times. And sometimes people just need to step away and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The Autism Dead is brought to you by Probably Genetic. Uh, if you've followed our story at all over the last decade or so, you know that my oldest son, uh, Gavin, um, has a lot of very rare uh, medical conditions. We have been searching for answers over the last about 15 years in order to try and find out you know, what the root cause of all of his ailments were. Along the way, he was diagnosed with childhood disintegrative disorder, which is a very rare form of regressive autism. Uh, epilepsy, common variable immunodeficiency, which means he's basically lost his immune system, uh, Euler's-Danlos, and an extremely rare autonomic disorder that has almost killed him on more than one occasion. The only test that hasn't been done was a test that would, would sequence my, my son's genes. And unfortunately, in our current healthcare system, this kind of genetic test has an extremely long waiting period, uh, upwards of a year, it's, it's most often not covered by insurance, and the costs are, are astronomical. Uh, it can reach upwards of $10,000, and that, that makes this type of desperately needed test inaccessible to families like mine. Thankfully, there is hope. Uh, Probably Genetic is helping me to find the answers to the questions that have long gone unanswered. Uh, Probably Genetic specializes in identifying rare genetic diseases 
that often go undiagnosed, especially in children already diagnosed with autism, like my son. Uh, they're on a mission to make full genetic sequencing accessible to those who need it the most. They significantly reduce the cost and drastically reduce the wait time. Uh, if you have already had whole exome or whole genome sequencing done and you didn't uh, get an answer, uh, they can reanalyze your existing data. If you don't have access to the data, uh, they'll help you get it from uh, your lab free of charge. So if you're one of the countless people out there in need of genetic testing, visit probablygenetic.com. Uh, you can use the code theautismdad400 at checkout and save $400 off of the genetic testing. So that's probablygenetic.com and use the code theautismdad400 to save $400. One of the things that I know, I know that we did um, when my when my grandfather died, my youngest, we decided to give the kids a choice um, yeah. as to whether they wanted to go or they didn't. And yeah. he decided to go, but we had a we had a plan in place where if at any point it was too much or at any point he needed to put his headphones on or uh, leave the room or, or whatever, that that was absolutely okay. That, that while we're there to say goodbye to my grandfather, we're there for him before we are for anybody else. Yeah. And we wanted to be as supportive, uh, as we could so that I guess a tragic experience could, could be, maybe he would have some closure to help him, uh, to help him move forward. And he did, he did pretty good. Um, he, he opted not to go uh, to my grandmother's funeral because I think at the end of the day, the first time was, was too much for him. And, and yeah. he did struggle a little bit after that. We had some meltdowns. and Yeah, I'm not somebody who's susceptible to meltdowns, but I, I had quite a few in the first couple of days after dad passed away just because there was just so much emotionally going on. So uh, I know that there's a lot of myths, I guess, um, in regards to autistic people. Um, and it just seems like they just kind of never go away. Uh, but one of the things... I don't know. Like, as soon as we bust one myth, it seems the other one pops up. <laughs> one of, one of the, the more common ones is that autistic people don't feel anything or they don't have emotions. And so... I mean, we, we know that is not true in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's actually yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, I guess, what do you say to that? That's nonsense. Like that's just other nonsense. And it's heartbreaking that people don't think we even have even that much level of humanity. I watched my dad slowly die at home for a year. Christmas night he was sent to hospital because he was in so much pain he couldn't even open his Christmas cards. Do you think that I just stared blankly to people who think that we can't feel anything? Do, you, do people think that the morning my dad died, once the sun was up and his remains were taken away, that I went in my room and listened to Wake Me Up When September Ends from Green Day, which is my special interest because I didn't care. Autistic people are 
people. That's the whole point. We're still human. And just because we may not express emotions or grief or anything the same way, does that mean we're not real? It's not true. I really wish people would understand that there's no way to grieve that is wrong as long as you're not hurting yourself or others. Everyone grieves differently, whether you're on the spectrum or not. And autistic people aren't broken. We don't not care. We just have to be understood in that regard. That was, um, that was really well said. Uh, I guess I always, well, I mean, just as a father to three autistic kids, I always found it insulting when people would say something like that, but I never thought about the way that you sort of worded it, that it's like you're less human or something like that. I guess it never occurred to me to, um, I guess I never, I, I never looked at it that deeply and I can absolutely understand I, I guess I just don't understand how people um, still view things this way. Um, do you, how, how are you processing things now? I know like we talked about earlier, some of the things that my, my kids are going through right now and they, they seem to be sort of s- stuck. Um, they're in therapy and, and things like that. And, and it, it's a positive thing, but they, they they process things so much differently than I do. And I guess I was wondering how, how do you, how did you process all of this? Like I mentioned prior, like the first chance I had where I had five minutes to myself, I immediately went to my special interest for comfort. Like my two special interests or hyper focuses for anyone who's not familiar are the very niche, very intense interests that autistic people have. Mine happen to be autism themselves mm-hmm. and the band Green Day. The first thing I went to was I just went in my room, sat on my bed and closed the door and I just listened to wake me up when September ends and good riddance time your life because those are closure songs. They're well-known closure songs and that band is has been my favorite band for 15 years and it's such a sense of comfort. People don't realize that special interests aren't just something we're interested in. It is something that helps form an identity for us and it brings emotional stability. So being able, my mom understood that how important that band was to me and just kind of let me go off and listen to my music and do my thing. And so if it may seem odd or inappropriate to somebody who's not in autism circles for an autistic child who's coping with grief and loss to maybe be playing Pokemon or playing with trains, very focusing, it may not seem like they're doing anything, but that's how they're emotionally regulating in this time, which is important because it's bringing such important comfort to them. So when I wasn't focusing on Green Day, I was doing my advocacy work and things like that. And that's helped me a lot 
because for me it was a mix of I'm engaging my special interest which is doing advocacy work and that's helping people but it's also doing things that made my dad would have made my dad proud if he had seen them and that brings a lot of comfort to me I've been back to work and everything now I'm in the process of applying for university hopefully for either this September or next Sometimes you might feel stagnant, but sometimes you're just growing upward instead of moving forward, and that's just as important. Growing upward instead of just moving forward. That's like a plant. Yeah, that's... Uh, a flower doesn't start moving forward, but they're still growing upward toward the light, and that's still... There's still progress. Still progress. I'd, I've never heard that before. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that. One. I'm going to write that down. Um, when you, um, do you, well, you seem to have a good support system. Was that? I do. My mom and I are like insert fingers crossed hand gesture my sister was we joked that we should have named my sister after our father because she is just like him so we like to joke that as long as she's alive my dad will never truly be dead <laughs> she's she's stubborn like him she has the same sense of humor as him she even looks like him and i'm very much like my mom so we were able to fall on each other and luckily my mom was very, very understanding about everything that was going on with me, with my melt, where I was having meltdowns and I had a very sharp tongue the days after, which I'm not proud of, unfortunately. Regardless if you're autistic or not, some people experience grief in the form of anger. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I was one of those people. And my mom's the same. She's she was so patient about it. <laughs> how, how I had friends and stuff like that who would show up and it's like, okay, we're you're going to our house now and you're gonna talk about D and D. How uh, how are you doing now? I've been doing well. It's now that like the hospital bed and everything is out of the house, that was a good sense of closure for me. And I've been keeping busy. And I wear a bracelet that he gave me at Christmas that says "Be Proud," and that's like my everyday thing. We got me, my mom, and my sister got lockets that have his ashes, so that whenever there's a special occasion, he'll physically be there with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm just doing things that. I think would make him proud. Um, I know that he would not want me to stop just because his life stopped because that's never what he wanted. He always wanted me to keep going forward. I know he's proud of me and that's what's important right now. Mm -hmm. There will always obviously be a feeling of that little bit of emptiness, but I went I went up and now I have to keep going forward. And that involves living whatever my best life can be in this case. Even 
before he passed away, I, before my diagnosis, I didn't want to know what my future held at all. And even now that he's gone, I, I still want to know what happens now. Like I'm not afraid of moving forward at this point. So what are your, what are your plans? Like you said, you're applying for university. What are you, what is your interest? I want to actually go for a Bachelor of Commerce and then go for an accounting major. I would like to be able to work with marginalized communities to help with taxes. Um, specifically, I want to go in for a business specialization so that I can work with any sort of business, taxes, etc. Um, I want to make sure that like, eventually I want to be able to take my sister on a trip to Disney World or something like that because sister's 21 now and she still has she still has VHS tapes of Disney in chronological order in her room <laughs> um, I would like to be able to send my mom to Coronation Street set because she's watched that show ever since she was a little girl um, I'm going to see a Green Day con my first Green Day concert in August <laughs> and that's are something. you really yeah I've got front stage pit tickets <laughs> all right good for you if, if anyone finds the obituary, don't worry, I died happy of a heart attack in the front stage. <laughs> <laughs> I was That's actually, what I told my friends. I was just listening to, uh, I, I do really like uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. It's a good song. Um, it's a soothing song. Um, and I actually want, uh, I help run a non-profit theater in my area. Really? It's like a theater and arts programming. And long-term goal is I want to be the first autistic person to be inducted into the Order of Nova Scotia, which is like the Hall of Fame for Canada, except like it's Nova Scotia and it's not celebrities. So uh -huh. it's like activism and stuff like that. And I want to actually have my own bursary set up for, uh, for students with disabilities to help break down barriers to get education for them for post-secondary, like university, college, etc. You have very specific uh, goals. That's, yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> specific goals it makes it easier to work toward them. Yeah. You can sort of narrow your focus. Yeah. The Autism Den is brought to you by AngelSense. Did you know that roughly 51% of kids with autism will wander from a place of safety uh, to a body of water, train tracks, uh, busy intersections, and other places of danger. Uh, this is not a sign of bad parenting or a bad child. It's a phenomenon that occurs within the autism community at epidemic levels. And unfortunately, a lot of times it ends in tragedy. The only way that you can truly uh, help increase the odds of a safe recovery is immediate intervention. And AngelSense gives you the tools to do that. Um, we've been using it in my house since early 2019. And I really, really like it. Uh, you have so many options uh, with, with AngelSense. You can track your child back and forth to school. You can set up perimeters uh, and barriers so that you're notified the moment your child enters or leaves a designated area. There's real-time uh, tracking. There is two-way voice. There's SOS features. And what's really cool is when you talk to somebody at AngelSense, you're talking to a parent of a child who wanders so they get it. Uh, so if you want more information about AngelSense, visit theautismdad.com forward slash AngelSense. That's theautismdad.com forward slash AngelSense, and you'll be directed for more information. How, 
I know we sort of we, we sort of talked about this, but I guess I, I want to stress this with with people. How important was routine and structure to you to help you get through this? It was extremely important. Like for anybody, when you experience a death, like everything just goes out the window and that puts anybody out of sorts. Like even if you're autistic or not, everyone is used to some level of routine, but due to something we have called executive dysfunction for a lot of us, it's something that is very core to our emotional, physical, and mental health. The fact that I was still a, like I went back to work shortly after the funeral was not because, oh, I need to go back to work because it's socially acceptable. No, I was going back to something familiar. And that brought a sense of comfort, even though it still felt a little weird going in and facing people who were just at the wake or they didn't make it to the funeral or things like that. But going back to my same schedule, I would be going to lunch at the same time again versus before when I've been off on bereavement, it was, everything was still unfortunately very up in the air. Um, if you have an autistic child or adult you care for, even if you're an autistic adult yourself and you're going through the same thing as me, if you can maintain even just little aspects of routine, even if it's just simple as stepping away for half an hour to have the same time lunch or having, in my case, what we call a same food. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, during, during the deaths, you're usually surrounded by finger foods, even if it's something as simple as a bowl of pasta that you always eat. Mm-hmm. That's a big help, honestly, because it just kind of centers you and brings you back to what's comfortable. It's like com- comfort food. We call it comfort food down here. Yeah. I call it the same food because I can eat pasta. I can just make a pot of pasta and eat the same thing for a week. <laughs> it's like my, my kids do the same thing. They, their their menu of what they eat is so limited. Uh, ramen noodles are very popular uh, in my house. They'll be set for college. Anything college related yeah. then. <laughs> they'll, eat them, they'll eat them dry. They're ahead of the game. They'll eat them dry. Like See, uncooked. I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. See, I'm somebody, um, I will eat a wide variety of food, but for me, it's textural. Yeah. If the texture is off, it's not happening. If you try to feed me a mushroom, no. Yeah. They, <laughs> he, my youngest just started eating frozen corn dogs. And I don't, I like, I don't, I don't understand like the concept of that. Cause he's so picky about things and, and they like the, 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 the I guess the uncooked uh, ramen noodles, uh, the crunch is like a, it's a sensory thing for them. It's, yeah. It's a textural thing. Yeah. It's a textural thing. A lot of us, um, it's not the flavor food that gets us. It's the texture. It's, it's the reason I can't eat mushrooms and I can't eat like beans or shrimp. I, just, I can't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mushy. Right. Well, for me, yeah. like I, well, I don't like mushrooms it's anyways. Rubbery. Yeah, it's, I it's, hate it's, them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm weird about vegetables. Like I put them in smoothies because I I, I can't. I don't I don't like yeah. the yeah. the texture of them. Yeah, I myself. can't eat. I can't eat. I can't eat tacos, but I'll eat the same vegetables and ground beef if I put in the spaghetti sauce, homemade spaghetti sauce. Because hmm. then it's a more uniform texture. That's interesting. The yeah. pile in the cayenne pepper and cumin. Yeah. Um, how, well, I guess 
sort of, I guess we can maybe um, kind of close off with, with this question. What advice do you have for people like me who have autistic kids or an autistic kid um, who may be experiencing grief and we don't know how to help them? What advice do you have? Knowing that everybody, everybody's different yeah. and every, every kid's different. We know that, yeah. but just in general. Yeah. First and foremost, since it falls through the cracks so often, always assume emotional competence. Um, one thing that could be useful is instead, as much as it might hurt to use, honestly use factual terms. Like instead of saying passed away or went to heaven, it's not wrong to say death or died or anything like that because it's more concrete for some autistic people who may have more difficulty with understanding metaphors and figures of speech because mm -hmm. um, if you're sometimes you say oh when someone gets old they pass away that might instill fear of getting old and passing or, away or they went to sleep yeah like then that's you yeah. don't don't ever say yeah that no you don't want to do that you don't want to do that you will you will scare scared a kid regardless of the kid's autistic or not honestly yeah. that's that's just a no-go please don't do that um because that was part of the reason it was so hard with the hospital bed because it took a little bit for red cross to come get the hospital bed and we could still me and my sister both describe it's like we still de see dad and it still looks like he's asleep mm -hmm. so that's a big one and your child is just upset as you are, please do not think that they're spiteful or they don't understand or they don't care. Just because we may not express it the same way, we might express it with anger, we might shut down, we might just go quiet. There is no wrong way to grieve as long as they are not hurting themselves or others. If they are getting into that stage, do not be afraid to ask for medical professional existence to help in the case. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, therapy is good for any age, honestly. It's like, I'm not a doctor. I can't speak for that specific thing, but I can always mention there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And finally, just like them, and just like you, people are going to be okay. Death and loss and grieving are so individual. They may get over it quickly and may take time. And might even be the same for the non-autistic person who's dealing with it. People are going to be okay and... I'm not going to say that nonsense about time heals all wounds because it really doesn't. Mm -mm. It will suck. It will continue to suck. But at some point, it's going to suck a little bit less. And you have to move forward in your own way, whatever that way is. And that's okay. What would you, I know I said that was my last question, but yeah. I thought of another one. That's okay. 
What advice would you have for autistic people who are experiencing this? What would you want them to know? Same thing I say pretty much about any situation with autism. It's like you're not broken. You don't have to mask. You don't have to hide your experiences to seem socially acceptable at socially unfortunate events. If you find the best thing for you is to avoid all the social interactions that come with the grieving process, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Because honestly, the person that you love that is no longer with us, they I highly doubt that they would want you to put yourself through emotional, mental, or physical strain just to keep up appearances at some social function. Like chances are if they accepted you for who you are while they were alive, they're gonna do the same thing when they're gone and you have their memory. You're not scorning them or spurning them for honoring your own boundaries. You can remember them the way you need to and what feels comfortable. And their spirit, their memory, whatever you want to call it, will understand that, I would say. Um, <clears throat> I just, I guess I, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Um, you've given me a lot to think about. Um, Hopefully that's a good thing. Well, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's, 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 this is really emotional for me because it's something that's very, um, it's prominent. Both of us right yeah. Now. It's, it's very prominent in my life and I'm, and I'm struggling, uh, to help my, my kids, uh, right now. And, and your insight is as you're kind of going through some of these things, it's clicking with, with certain things yeah. with each of my kids were yeah. like, I like to think that I know them, but I can't, I can't put myself in their shoes because it's it, like, okay. We often can't do that either. So, so I, I just, I really appreciate you, you being so honest and so upfront and so, um, open to sharing about this. Uh, I am, I am so sorry for your loss. I know as a father, I can tell you that, that your dad has got to be so proud of you and, um, you, we live in a time right now where there is not, we're like, well, in the States, especially, uh, where people that we should be able to look up to, like kids should be able to look up to that they, they, they can't. And, yeah. and I just, you're a role model for my kids. And I, I just, I really appreciate that. My youngest was reading through your, uh, the, the notes that you had sent me and <laughs> he, he, he wanted to, he's, he's visiting his mom right now. He wanted to, uh, be part of the interview cause he wanted to talk to you. Um, so maybe we could set something up at, at another yeah, time. Yeah, I would that. love two new podcast idea, two generations of autism. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the odd man out and I'll just... <laughs> learn whatever I, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just learn whatever I can from you guys. Cause I, again, I, 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 I really do. I am so grateful for, for you sharing this. And if there's anything that I can ever do 
uh, please don't hesitate to ask. I could see future episodes where, where we take on other subjects as well. If you're interested in that, um, I think it's absolutely vital that we hear your voice. So I really do appreciate it. I hope you, it's what Friday. I don't even know what date is. I hope you have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and if you need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. Thank you. And Rob, this is grieving in our own way. Mm -hmm. Honestly. Yeah. There's a light somewhere <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, I'll um, put... Before this, this, this morning I found a dime on the floor at work where a dime usually wouldn't be. So I don't know if that's a thing in the States, the dime from heaven. I don't know. Yeah, that's I think a very it's, common phrase here. We, we, well, pennies. I think they pennies are supposed to be. We don't have pennies in Canada, though. So well, be because really you guys bad. are much smarter than us. The pen, there's, there, <laughs> it's more expensive to yeah, stamp these sense. pennies than it is to than they're worth. Yeah, yeah. Um, dime from heaven is what's the Nova Scotia thing. Huh. Very cool. Um, I will have all of your information in the show notes so that people can connect with you uh, on Twitter. And yeah, they're so they're welcome to. I'm. Always and, and sort of I'm a millennial. It's like a, my phone's like a extra arm. <laughs> it's, an, <laughs> it's an appendage. Yeah, it's yeah. I know. I it's never. I can't. I can't leave my phone anywhere. Like I can't forget it anywhere. <laughs> like it's just become so. Yeah. Uh, much a part of Second my life. Nature. Yeah. Well, you have a great weekend, and Thank uh, you. and I will talk to you later. Uh, before we close things out, I, I just wanted to take a second and thank Taylor for coming on the show and, and talking to us about her experiences with grief. Um, Taylor, I'm, I'm so sorry uh, for your loss. Uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to come on and, and help me better understand um, what my kids are going through, uh, help me better understand sort of the grief process for autistic people. And, and I just, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, I will have all of, uh, Taylor's social media info and stuff in the show notes. So please, uh, give her a follow and, uh, check out her advocacy and some of the things that she's doing. Uh, if I can find the, uh, link for, uh, the docu-series that, that she was just a part of, I'll have that information down there as well. Uh, as always, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All my social links are at the top. Uh, you can subscribe via your favorite podcasting app. Uh, just look up the autism dad, hit subscribe. I really, really appreciate that guys. And, uh, you can support this podcast. Uh, there's a link in the description itself that'll let you, uh, do that. So I really appreciate your time guys. I hope you have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. 
Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U.com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.